For some time, I've wanted to sit down with all of the ministers of Beargrass and have a conversation about church. We live in a postmodern time, and there's lots of shifting ideas about what it means to be the church in the 21st century. I was incredibly interested to hear what our leaders here at Beargrass thought about the changes that they have noticed and the challenges that come along with living in this postmodern world. What follows is an honest, lively, and really engaging conversation. Yeah, yeah, I think there are various definitions. I, you know, uh, the, the simple one for me is the church gathered and the church scattered, uh, that, that we have this opportunity to come together um, for support, for worship. Maybe that's another metaphor that I need to think about, uh, sanctuary, but a place for worship. Um, to get empowered, uh, to re-up our commitment, and then and then to scatter and go do these other other kinds of things uh, the church is called to do. So again, I think there are many expressions about what that looks like, and and the expressions are growing, uh, which is why we're talking about it because uh, uh, it's challenging some of the ways that that I was brought up and taught and. Um, and the way I was trained in seminary, it's not the same church anymore. Uh, I still think the old models are important, but uh, the, the new options are uh, are worthy of our attention. Welcome so. here at church is not the building, but the people. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure, steal my answer. <laughs> <laughs> here's the church, here's, here's the steeple. Open it up, and there are all the people. Only all right, I'll let you finish. video podcast so they could watch you on TV. <laughs> um, Whatever. <laughs> was going was, and I do believe in that, but also I think there is value in the building and sometimes you get, because there are people who come here for something, for a support group, for something, and this is their church. They're not on the membership roles, um, but this is their sacred place, and so you know, there's people say, oh, we don't need the building at all anymore in the new century. I don't think I'm ready to throw the building out completely, because I do think there is valuable ministry that can take place in this in this space. But I don't want to be trapped here as well, so I think it's a both and mm-hmm. of that for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that where you were going, Susan? Is that? Of course not. He's brilliant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, very similar. I'm just thinking about the farmers market and mm-hmm. you know, outreach stuff like pedal power. I mean, that group of. People yeah. that meet every Wednesday yeah. to to do the bike thing. It's pretty amazing. And there are just so many stories a lot. I mean, we could spend here all day talking about all that. Yeah. So, You know, there's been lots of people a whole lot smarter than me talk about post-modernity. Um, Cameron Tribble, who is the director and CEO of the Center for Progressive Renewal, states, we are living in an age of transition between modern and postmodern realities with massive implications for the church. Uh, another scholar, uh, I believe this is uh, Hans Kung in uh, his book, The Church, postmodernity is about culture change within it and an organization's ability to cope with that. Change is coming fast, and it is of such substantive difference that some churches are going to die, and others are going to have to be built anew to replace them. A whole new worldview is emerging that makes much of what the Church of Modernity was built to be and do obsolete. What do you think about these assertions? I mean, they're pretty strong. I feel like I'm back in a seminary lecture right now. So. <laughs> um. <laughs> 
Well, I do think you see a shift just in how it affects even just like attendance at church. Gone are the days where someone's in their seat every week. And if you didn't see them, you called because something was wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, if they're here once a month... That's a regular attender in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think I think nationally, I just read something. I think it was from the Barna Group or Pew Report that like normal attendance now is two Sundays a month. Mm-hmm. That's what you can consider like your That's probably solid. Yeah, yeah. your solid attenders. So, and that affects how you do ministry in a sense. I mean, for example, like Sunday school lesson, you know, used to be there'd be a unit and you would follow a unit for four weeks. But now as I'm helping find curriculum for our teachers, I do more ones that are week to week based because you can't guarantee child A was here last week for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And so you can't, oh, remember we did last week? No, I wasn't here. I was at a baseball tournament. I was at my other family's church or, you know, so whatever reason. I mean, there's just so much going on. And so how do you minister? to people when they're not here mm-hmm. and then also when you're calling to check them in don't you're not going to make them feel guilty about not being here you really are just concerned about them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I think it makes us think about what we're offering uh, I think societally we have shifted from a place where should uh, governed behavior like I should be in church but I think culturally that was and even I'd say the tail end of that was still in play when I was growing up as reason you know that recently is oh no you should be involved in church and you were uh, there were societal benefits to being an, an active part of a church and I think those days are, are pretty much gone that people aren't motivated by should and so now we have to think about well what what are we offering that will draw people and help them find meaning um, in the world because I think you know our folks are asking the same questions whether they know it or not uh, that you're putting before us is like what does it mean to be church and what you know what motivates my decision to be present or not be present or to choose to for my family to participate uh, in a church or not uh, I, I think those are wonderful questions but uh, yeah it, it, I think it affects the way we do business I mean frankly but yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, I grew up in that should mm-hmm. era, mm-hmm. Um, and I I do agree. I think that you know, there's that is to me one of the big gaps between you know the modern and postmodern mm-hmm. kind of folks is you know the the folks who grew up in a certain age they get really upset well they should be here I right. mean this is what you did <laughs> you, I don't understand where right. are you you know clearly this is not a priority for you mm-hmm. and then and, there's judgment laced in that yeah. and you gotta peel the judgment out of it that doesn't motivate people right, right? but then then for the younger folks <clears throat> they're kind of judging a little bit mm, sure. other folks and saying well you know why is this so important for you I can have church anywhere I can have it over coffee with my friends I can have it in nature I can have it you know so yeah. there seems to be right now this living in this transition we we have folks kind of on both sides right. of this modern postmodern fence mm-hmm. yeah I read a book about a year or so ago I think it's called generational IQ and it talked about how there are four and five generations you know mm-hmm. in, a, in a church and how do you um, minister and you know help people worship or whatever because you'll have you know older folks who like traditional music and a younger person who 
but you gotta have those conversations where everybody respects the other and not dismiss them out of, you know, well, that's not the way it should be. This is the way it should be done. Or like dismissing them and assuming the worst of them because they don't agree with what is meaningful to the other and just taking that into consideration and having those conversations. I mean, we obviously have two different services here, but still there are differences Mm -hmm. of opinion. Yeah, yeah, you have three. Well, I just meant style, traditional, and... Mm -hmm. um, What, What do you all feel like... Um, is essential for the big C church to do in helping to, you know, bridge those gaps and ensure that, that, you know, every generation is, is getting what they need from their community of faith, but then also bring it locally, like here to Beargrass. What, what are you guys, what are we doing here at Beargrass? Yeah, I guess the one thing that stood out to me as you said that, the, and I know you meant it the different, a different way, but what I heard was, you know, we're not, church is not about giving every single person what they want or perceived need. It's, it's community and people coming together mm-hmm. to me and amidst right. the differences and, and learning how to worship together with a variety of different things, um, especially in our postmodern culture where it is it is a, a me generation kind of so to speak mm-hmm. I mean all of us not just sure. generationally speaking mm-hmm. it's an individual mm-hmm. you know but I think Mary Rest does a beautiful job of seeing that it's more than me I don't know just something in your question there mm-hmm. stuck mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. Sure. well I think yes I absolutely agree with you absolutely agree with you that church is more than you know, that's one reason why when we started this conversation and I asked, you know, the list of things, I added theater, entertainment, mm-hmm. because a lot of people will choose a church based mm-hmm. upon, sure. um, show, I like want show. this, you know, this the checklist show. of things that they want, right? right? Well, I want this type of worship. I want this type of, you know, songs to be sung. I want this. I want the lights. I want the smoke. I mm-hmm. want okay. I want <clears throat> communion every week. I I want hymns only. I want when it's more than that. Yes. But we can't deny the fact that oh, absolutely. a lot of people look at look for a church based upon this checklist of personal wants. Right. Yeah, it's like a vacation resort shopping. You hit all the filters <laughs> that you want and your list pops up. So it's the but it's a whole different approach. It's it's interesting. I think part of it's learning the language of the the next generations. Uh, mm-hmm. John Wimberly just wrote an article about millennial giving, and he said they're giving at the same levels that the boomers and the greatest generation did. Mm-hmm. But we, the church is slow in being able to provide the means for that to happen. So mm-hmm. we just talked about this in staff meeting this week, and we're going to talk about it in, during the stewardship emphasis. But they're as eager to give as as these folks have gone before. But we've got to give them the, the access to get to the ways that the they ways that they give because yeah, nobody cares. Cash or a yeah, checkbook. I don't I carry mean, cash I, anymore. Right, right, uh, so, right. But I'm still, for me, I still want to drop that envelope in the plate because that's the way I grew up. It's a physical act of giving and worship for me. Um, but but my son and daughter and son-in-law, I mean, it's all it's yeah. all on the phone. 
all. Uh, uh, is one right, one better? No, it's, it's just a different way. And so it all spends the same. It spends the same. Our, uh, <laughs> and, and and the giving has remained strong, and a new generation of generous yeah. people are coming along. And um, so it's, it's just a matter of, of uh, learning languages of these multi generations that live in this in this community and beyond. But it's an interesting time. So what other, you mentioned, you know, the ways that people give, what other kind of fundamental changes have you noted in the shift of church? I think a lot of it's uh, scheduling and and becoming Mm -hmm. uh, respectful of people's crazy busy schedules. Mm -hmm. And you say, what are you doing? And well, they're doing all kinds of great things. Mm -hmm. Uh, The church used to be at the center for most of the great things to happen years ago. It's not anymore. Now there's a laundry list of all kinds of good things. And we can't say, gosh, you know, what? So, so I think we a lot of what we've done, you know, Robin, Stephen, we all try to have family-friendly schedules in terms of getting to church because folks are driving from all over the metro to get here, which sure. amazes me. Yeah. Um, it used to be that when you were an elder or deacon, you served a lot. Um, I mean, you took at least a month at a time, and um, board meetings were monthly, and just meetings out of your mind situations, and and so we shifted schedules to folks uh, who are elders or deacons serve one one week in a month, and that's the kind of commitment. But it at least provides a balance uh, to address these you know, crazy busy schedules that people are. So, so I, yeah, I think we're trying to to make those kinds of adjustments. Um, what do you think is the um, is on the verge? Then can you see um, a next thing that needs to be, or you would like to see addressed in the church moving further into this postmodern era? Like, what do you what do you feel like is sort of on the horizon, or another shift? Well, you're you're pushing us. <laughs> by having to sit around the table right now uh, because this is new to me. I mean, I, I, I would have never dreamed we'd be sitting here when I was in seminary talking about this and doing podcasts. I mean, that was yeah. not on anybody's yeah. radar. It didn't exist. It, <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. it wasn't there. And so, you know, thankfully you're here and, and you've, you've informed us that we were so far behind. We need. We can even skip these steps to get to where people are really paying attention now, which are podcasting. Who knew? Right. Uh, and I didn't really care, and because I don't, I don't, I still have a flip phone. I can fast. Uh, so, so, uh, uh, you know, when you get a text from Lee, it was effortless because he hit, it takes you know, me longer to text than Lee. to call. Right. <laughs> well, you're right. It's it's you. You're getting uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I, I'm the dinosaur in the room, and so for all these new elements of what church is going to look like, it's it's just it's crazy. But I'm kind of excited because. Um, People responding, and that's the cool yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, it's working. Yeah. Well, it's like the live streaming mm-hmm. services and that we're hoping to get to, and mm-hmm. we've talked about trying to figure out Bible studies or something. We're keeping people connected um, virtually. Um, so just trying to get some of that off the ground so people who can't be here for whatever reason can, can stay connected and have that yeah. support. I think that's it. I think the, the, the nature of people to seek 
connection has never changed. I think that's core to who we are as human beings. It's the means by which we do it. And in a pre-digital age, or at least an older you know age, you know, you came together physically in the building to find that connection and to be formed by the community in the way that church does. And now there are just so many different avenues for connection. If the church isn't offering a means for that that connection, they're going to seek it. People will seek it in other ways and in other places. So at the very least, I think we need to be at the table and presenting ourselves as an option that, okay, you may not be able to gather physically with us on Shelbyville Road, but you can find that connection uh, through these other channels. And so that's part of what I, I love that I'm seeing right now is mm-hmm. growing into this new age. No, but then I, as I think about the connection piece, as we do have these more and more connections, I was at a funeral last week and saw some church members I hadn't seen in a while who commented and they love hearing the sermons online. That's awesome. But I'm also feeling I'm not connecting with them because I haven't. So how do you still? make sure you have that connection when people are connecting this way but we're not physically seeing you I mean I just don't know they're connecting with us but we're not not connecting and then I feel did I miss a big life event you and didn't support you in that because I didn't get to right Right. and I think that's the thing is that um, that is really on the kind of the next step is figuring out how to make these two-way virtual connections. I mean, it has to be a two-way street, and that's where the connection happens. Is it, so let me ask you, do you think it's possible, or can you give an example of any time that you have made a, quote, virtual connection? Well, I mean, I think of social media in terms of the, and, and so much of it can be toxic, yes, but I've also seen and participated in conversations with folks whom I've never met, but yet we got into the same comment stream on somebody's wall on Facebook or something, and good things happen out of those conversations. So it is a, a viable tool. Um, now, beyond that, I mean, I think about, my, my goodness, the amount of pastoral counseling I do via text messaging now yeah. is staggering. Yeah, that's and I'm, in youth ministry in particular, mm-hmm. you know, it, the, the, I may or may not get an email back from one of my teenagers if I email them, but if I text them, there will be a response yeah. very quickly. And mm-hmm. so it's meeting them where they are. And the, now, those kids, I've, obviously, I've met. I know them, sure. but, you know. Well, it's interesting because yeah. um, I think in that same report that was talking about how often people... Um, attend church and also talked about like how to follow up with first time visitors and I mean I can remember growing up in the church and being part of the youth like as the youth leader like going and knocking on the door and don't do that that now don't yeah now (laughs) we used to kidnap our we used to take a night when I was doing well it was high school my high school youth group we'd set a night it was kidnap night Uh and we would prearrange with the parents we're showing up in the van and picking your kid up yeah. would get would get arrested. Ooh. I was gonna say I don't think I want to try that. Um, so yeah. call Robbie. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give that that's, a hard pass. Yeah, that, right. uh, <laughs> that has gone away. Yeah, but I can see where I can see where that helping hands on. But it's it's true that there has definitely been a shift, and now the you know the younger generations more and more are connecting virtually. Right before and creating some sort of relationships before they meet in person. These guys are just getting warmed up. You're gonna wanna be sure and listen to the second part of our conversation in which the ministers talk about online church. 
how to establish a virtual connection. Is it possible to take communion by yourself? What does this mean for the table? And what are the necessary ingredients for effective ministry in the 21st century? That podcast will drop on Thursday, November 21st. Until then, please be sure and check us out at www.beargrass.org to learn about all of the upcoming events and activities in the life of our community. Until next time, peace.